Blog Talk Radio. All right. Good evening, Blog Talk Radio listeners. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Wednesday Warriors. We're about to go live here on Facebook and get started with our broadcast this evening. Very, very excited about what God's going to say tonight to us as the warrior nation, those that are warring not only for the gospel of Jesus Christ, but our right to exist as his offspring and to remain uh, the same as he is, pure, holistic, and, of course, culturally unmodified. So get ready for this edition of Wednesday Warriors. We're going to go ahead and get ready to shoot on here in just one second, bring you into our, our, our bigger audience. Let's go. Facebook Live. Let's go. Do it. Let's go. Mm hmm. Cool. All right, all right. Welcome, welcome, my Facebook Live Wednesday Warrior Nation. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing exceptional in Jesus, growing and abounding and leaping in the Lord, excited about what he's doing uh, with us in his body, you know, in his kingdom, despite what it looks like and despite what we see on the media and the news, just rejoicing in the fact that God is not only in control, but he wrote the script for control. Amen. He's not just in control because, you know, he's cool and he's level-headed under, you know, trial and tribulation. No, he's in control because he wrote the book on control. How do we know? Because we're studying, okay, a whole entire, all right, treatment on the issue of God being in control before the foundation of the world. That's right. I am talking about the one and the only before the garden, God's eternal continuum. Of course, it is written by our favorite author, Dr. Paula Price, and that's going to be the subject of our conversation tonight. We're going to get into the continuum. We're going to get into uh, talking about the prophets, okay, and their role in this uh, out of Chapter 7. So listen here. Get your books out. Get your coffee. Get your journal. Get your pen and get ready to enter into God's world. What I love about this every day is it reminds us that this earth is only temporary, that our life in the flesh is not really, not only all there is, praise God, but it's not really what this thing is about. Your life right now is not what it's all about. It's about what God has prepared for you, the place that he has gone to prepare for you, that place where eyes have not seen Okay, ears have not heard, nor has it really entered into our hearts the things that he set aside for us uh, through his son, Jesus Christ. So I want you guys to go ahead and get your books out. If you do not, do not have a copy of Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, I want to encourage you tonight to visit www.drpaulaaprice.com and get your copy of this amazing resource. 
It's only $21.99. I mean, just peanuts for the value and volume of revelation you're going to get out of this tool. So I want to encourage you, if you do not have a copy of this book, www.drpaulaaprice.com. Go ahead and get your $21.99 out you know, get a little bit of your coins and lunch money together uh, because that's about what, what it amounts to in price, not in revelation, just what it amounts to and what it's going to take for you to go ahead and utilize this. So I want you to go ahead and, and, and join us in this journey. If you've not done so already, share, 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 because tonight we're talking to the prophets in the house, all right? And those of you who, under, who want to understand what the role of the prophets are in this era under the dispensation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the new covenant. So share, 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 share. Go ahead and connect with those right now, all of those that you know want to understand this information and this revelation we're going to get into tonight, all right, because it's going to be very good. We're going to talk about how... God uses prophets to reveal his eternal continuum. So it's not something that you want to miss. It's in a portion of the chapter in uh, chapter 7, which we've been studying, okay? Chapter 7, page 108. So we've been studying that, and we're going to talk about a brief section in which she deals with the prophetic in the continuum. What we don't understand is that God uses his prophets all the time as a part of his uh, timing chain and mechanism for keeping things moving in and out of the planet on schedule, okay? We are God's rhythm. We are God's time, and we're how he keeps the continuum moving forward from generation to generation. He does everything by his what? His word. In the beginning was the word, which means in the beginning was our mantles. Our mantles are literally the products of the logos, are the products of the word. Yes, that's what it is. It's the product of the words. And what, what most prophets don't understand is that they are not products of their gifts. They are not products of their ability. They are literally products of the word of God. You recognize that the definition of the prophet is a spokesperson for a deity. Okay? A spokesperson for a deity. So understand that the whole idea of why you exist is to be the manifestation or the voice box for the word of God, for the logos of God, if you belong to Jesus Christ. Now, you notice that when Dr. Price gave us that definition out of her beloved uh, uh, prophet's dictionary, praise God, when she gave us that definition, she said spokesperson for a deity and not necessarily a spokesperson for Jesus Christ. Why? Because there are prophets out there who were choosing to speak for some of those fallen relatives, okay, that came out the sky and didn't, no longer wanted to have fellowship with God. So as a spokesperson for a deity and as a spokesperson in particular for our subject matter tonight, talking about Jesus Christ, amen, so as a, spoke, as a spokesperson for him, you have to understand that you are the product of his word and not the product of your abilities, not the product of your anointing, not the product of your gifting, and not the product of your talent. If you don't have that straight in your mind, you will become, like Balaam, a prophet for hire, speaking for anything and everything, and just to have the opportunity, really, to display your abilities. 
if the reason why you want to be a prophet is to show everyone that you can prophesy and that you have this ability to extract information and hear information from the supernatural, then guess what? You are going to be a prophet for hire, if not even a psychic. Psychics are not obligated to any kind of deity at all. They just have the capacity to pull in spiritual information. So that is what we're going to be discussing tonight. That prophets, as prophets, you have to understand that the reason you exist for Jesus Christ, now let's first say that. Let's first just kind of deal with that thought for just a moment. You exist for Jesus Christ, not yourself, okay, not for your talents, and not even for the people you're prophesying to. You exist for Jesus Christ. You exist because the word of God needs a vessel and a voice to personify and manifest himself through. Yes, he needs that voice and that vessel who is willing to personify him and to bring him and his uh, will and all of those things to light and life in this world. So our first obligation is recognizing that we are products of the word because in the beginning was that word. Amen. And we work with God and partner with God to see to it that he, his word stays alpha and his word stays omega in the planet and that he's able to bring it to pass and not have it return void under any circumstance despite all of the, the interference, interloping, infiltration of all the false things that fell out of the sky. Amen. That Jesus saw fall as lightning. Right? So we want to deal with that tonight as we're moving forward in our continuum discussion. Amen. So I'm excited. I hope that introduction gave you guys a chance on Periscope to join us. Is my Periscope family with us tonight? Hey, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this edition of Wednesday Warriors. I'm glad we have the whole Warrior Nation coming together. We're doing our best to resolve a lot of our technical challenges. We have some changes coming in the wind. Amen, as we push forward uh, to continue to bring you this information and to bring it to you uh, in excellence and professionally. So we're looking at making some shifts and changes and all of that. Your support has been very helpful in helping us be able to transition uh, and make some moves in our time of transition. So you can expect that coming up here uh, shortly. Definitely want you to do that. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to talk about tonight why it's very, very important that we understand this continuing message and that we stay on the uh, war path, if you will, that we're on to literally uh, remain organic and holistic, as Dr. Price said, and culturally unmodified. We're warring right now to get all of the pollutants and preservatives and additives and extras and overflows out of our bodies amen, and out of our souls and our spirits so that we can engage again with our God as he is and as he presented himself and not as we understood him or as we choose to follow him or the version we feel like we can best live with, praise God, because we have that as well. So we've been on that war path together to purify, okay, and to literally cleanse our vessels so that we can become potent and powerful carriers of the Spirit of God. We don't want to just have that thing exist in name only. We said that those that know their God will be strong, okay, and carry out great exploits. You have to have the right vessel and container to carry out that power and to carry out that glory and to manifest those things in the earth. You have to have the right vessel and container for that. We know now that not every type of uh, liquid or every type of temperature can every vessel make. 
We know that. Okay, I had the privilege and honor when I was going through a little trial and tribulation, praise God. I don't know if y'all as prophets ever go through some trials and tribulations, as believers go through some trials in this life. But when the identity was being challenged and the faith was being stretched, I had a dear apostle talk to me uh, to help encourage me through my process, talk to me about the whole um, procedure they use for making pottery. She took a pottery class and got a revelation and a half about the whole concept of why God used the analogy of the potter versus the clay, making a very extensive process uh, uh, truncated for the sake of our broadcast today, praise God. In the end, they put the vessel, okay, through all of these paces so that in the end it can handle any type of temperature, okay, any climate or environment you put it in. So no matter what environment it's in, extreme heat, extreme cold, lukewarm, whatever environment or climate it's in, they put it through several processes of sanding, heating, refining, and et cetera, so that it can handle any environment and climate, any circumstance that it must be used in to carry your water, to carry your soil, okay, or sometimes to carry your sorrow. It has to be ready to carry any kind of thing that it, that's required of it. And so when God is wanting, when you're wanting to be used by God and to really step into the place of your identity, God has to deal with the container and the vessel that, that's going to be carrying the glory. Oh, do we understand that? Okay, he has to deal with the vessel that's going to carry the power and make sure that no matter what circumstance that's needed, whether you're confronting darkness, confronting brokenness, whether you're confronting the glory of God itself, that the vessel can maintain, that it won't fall apart. When we talk about prophets in the continuum, which is what we're going to deal with tonight, uh, people often, you know, say, well, where does false prophecy begin and how it works and all of that kind of stuff? And because, of course, we're always more consumed with hearing something false than something true, okay, which, you know, we'll deal with that a whole nother time. But in that process, what I always explain to people is that the messages can come from God clearly, like a, a cell phone signal can come to your phone or a cable signal can come to your TV, but if the television itself or the cell phone itself is broken, what's going to happen to that signal? That message is not going to be received properly because the container itself has been contaminated or corrupt. So God has to work through that process of making quality containers that can carry what he wants to do so that message received is not only message understood by the messenger and the hearer, but delivered in the fashion that it needs to be. And that's important because that's what's happened to a lot of our understanding of God in his word today, isn't it? A lot of understanding, a lot of that got lost in translation because it fell on vessels. A lot of the scripture is being culturally modified because it has hit broken vessels, broken people ministering the gospel and did not allow themselves to finish the pottery class before they went out to minister and their vessel had cracks in it. And so to compensate for the cracks, they found whatever revelation and appeasement there was to get them through and to justify why they cannot do this the way Jesus Christ designed it. Oh, is that okay to say? We still have friends, right, when it's all said and done? 
So when we have people who have cracked vessels, we talked about that. When your faith is bruised, when you have confusion, when those things begin to come in the midst of you, it leaves room for alternatives. It leaves room for God's adversary to bring the argument. Ah, how many times have we seen that in Scripture? That when the people who are most broken and vulnerable become the most open to the argument against Christ and against God. Paul dealt with it a lot in his apostleship. We saw it happen in the garden. Okay, even Cain, okay, he couldn't do it. His faith in the Lord was not complete. God gave him an out, gave him an option, preached to him and everything, said, hey, if you do well, you'll also be accepted. This is not excluding you. There's no personal issue with you here. I'm not singling you out or targeting you with this. And we'll talk about why he wasn't singling Cain out when we get into our discussion on the prophets of the continuum. He wasn't singling him out. He said, if you do well, oh, come on in the place. If you do well, you can also be accepted. But the problem is Cain's weakness, his inferiority, his jealousy and rivalry, rivalry rather, with his brother made him vulnerable to the alternative and to the argument against God. That's why we call ourselves warriors, because you have to constantly do 1 Corinthians 10, casting down those arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against your knowledge of God. Your ability to maintain this level starts with your ability to do that right there. Protect your thoughts and protect your mind. And Okay, that's why he said you have to have the mind of Christ, not just the love of Christ. A lot of people have, want to have the love of Christ, but not his mentality and not his consciousness, which is why we're not getting the fruit of Christ off of their love. People are not converting or changing or, or becoming better. In fact, they're becoming more comfortable with staying in their weakness and in their imperfection because the love of God has to also go with the mind of God. They have to work together in tandem, because God's love and the outcome of God's love is coming from his mind and his thought process about what he's trying to achieve. And a lot of times we don't often ask that question. I know I haven't. I didn't when I was younger. My God, didn't even bother to ask God, well, what is it that your love is trying to produce and achieve? Isn't that important to know? So we want to make sure that we understand that that is what, what God is going after. So we're looking at that today. So we want to make sure that when we're doing this, we also have his mind and that we can use that mind to cast down the arguments and all of those things, okay, that will try to exalt itself against our knowledge of him. If that makes sense to you all today, that is what we're going after. So we're going to talk about that as we do the continuum. Praise the Lord, church. Yes, praise the Lord. So we're going to do that for sure. We're going to start uh, with page 26. Now that we have done our introduction and all of those things, y'all ready to jump into page 26? We're going to do that today, okay? We're going to jump right there. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a flashback to bring us forward to where we are in Chapter 7, talking about the prophets in the continuum. All right, everything okay? Are we still good? All right. All right, Periscope, you are rolling with us, so we're going to stay rolling with you. Amen? 
So we're going to go ahead and open up. God, give us your mind today. I just feel the need to release this, God, as we're stepping into these waters. Give us your mind today as we read your word. With so many things trying to infiltrate and interlope and usurp, Father God, who you are today, I thank you that you would open up our minds so that we may comprehend your scriptures as you wrote them, as you presented them, as you revealed yourself through them, God, and not through the veil and the pollutants, God, of what has become our, our modern culture. I thank you, Lord, that you're stripping away every veil, that you're removing, Father God, all the, the layers of encryption right now so that the truth can be decoded out of what we say. All of the layers of encryption, God, I thank you that you're going in there right now into the recesses of the mind. I call up their new creation spirit. I call up their new creation selves. I call up their divine food. Yes, God, I call up the divine nature in them to be at attention today as we step into this realm so that we, Father God, can be not only first partakers, but God, the first fruits and products of what you have dispensed and given to us in the earth. This light, this light and this immortality and this gospel of freedom and this gospel of salvation and the earth. Amen. We're going to go ahead and jump to page 26. Hallelujah. We're going to go to page 26. If you have your book, we're just going to jump back to something that she said in the beginning of Before the Garden. And if you haven't, you listen, listen closely with us today. We're going to just go ahead and uh, read something from the book as we talk about this and why he continues to use prophets in the continuum. All right, so here we go. We're going to jump down to the bottom of page 26, and it is saying right here, okay, we're going to start where, uh, midway through that last paragraph where she's talking about the kingdoms of this world uh, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. So if you have your books, page 26, as we talk about this today. All right, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And she talks about these two statements show the Almighty's absolute control over world events in John's apocalypse. And above that, he's planning an execution of them all as well. There is a term for these, these maneuvers on God's part that the continuum thoroughly explores and explains. It is the word Pre-solve, settling or answering something before it really happens. Synergizing the Lord's predetermination, predestination, and foreordainment, the word pre-solve speaks to his cohesive application of all three. All right? Together, they demonstrate how emerging situations and developments that appear to stall his plans or counter his moves are actually God's will at work. I love the term pre-solve because it literally puts the whole entire uh, continuum and even our lives and how God is governing the earth into context. God may have, you know, come down in time to save the earth in our eras and in our times and seasons, but as a sovereign, God is governing the earth by what he calls, what she terms, and I think it's great, pre-solve, or what I'll say to you today, pre-solution, okay, or pre-solution, all right? I, you know, I almost wish we had the screen today so you guys can see these words up there, but we're talking about pre-solve. Okay, a term that Dr. Price introduces. Now y'all see why we need to get the concordance and the thesaurus and everything else because, my goodness, her etymological ways, praise God, 
keep you uh, searching and digging for truth. But she said that. She said truth is not always in the shallow. It's not always in the superficial. And how about this? Truth is not always in the spontaneous. Something may strike you spontaneously and hit you spontaneously, but it is coming from a history or a precedent and a pattern that predates your moment of encountering it. And that is one of the biggest challenges we have today with embracing the continuum and getting prophets of the New Testament to stay in step and in line with God. And instead of, you know, uh, becoming voices and, and representatives of culture and of this world. What will keep you out of culture is staying in not only the continuum, but staying in the understanding that how God is ruling is not from the now. He's ruling from what he set in motion. He's ruling from the eternal. He's ruling from the beforehand. He's ruling from those things. He's not ruling from the present. And I think that that will keep you, because we often think that because it's happening to us in that moment, that it's happening to God in that moment. No, the moment of spontaneity that you experience is a revelation, not an inception. And we sometimes, especially as prophets, when we're getting these words and we're getting these moments that come out of heaven, it's like, whoa, we got light, camera, action, and we are there. We think that that's the moment that God is starting or getting busy on something. That's not the inception. That's the revelation. And that's what we have to be able to distinguish, that the continuum is all about revealing what God already put in place. The three terms that we have been dealing with to understand this are predetermination, which is God literally mapping out before he created anything how it would all function, work, okay, operate, what would be all of its uh, manifestations, and then even all of the uh, corresponding consequences and all of that for malfunction and for things that would not work that he's trying to do. See, God was very smart. He did not just map out what it would be. Okay, how the earth would look or flow if his will happen without any issues. God took into account, okay, the challenges and opposition that would be toward his will. One thing that Dr. Price taught us many years is that it's one of the biggest flaws and I think challenges as for us as Christians and in the Christian church that really becomes the foundation of weakness or should say the point that causes our faith to really take hits and become weakened. Okay, how our faith gets weakened is really not preparing for things to go right or well. And and Dr. Price is teaching, and, and, and don't get me in trouble by, you know, blowing up the property D's phone and, and email asking for this. But in her teaching, How to Win, Lose, and Recover All, she talked about how, unlike God, we do not ever plan to fail or lose. And because we don't include failure or loss in the plan, we literally are taken completely out of the equation when it comes to fulfilling destiny and purpose. The enemy can easily sidetrack us, distract us, get us off course, have us quit, give up on God, and, okay, bury the talent in the ground in the whole nine because we did not expect that loss or failure would be a part of the process. But God did. He not only predetermined, okay, how things were going to go and end and how he was going to achieve his outcome, but he also predetermined how flesh and, and devils and all of those things, what will happen to, uh, to those and in those situations when he is opposed. 
when you are sitting down planning out your destiny or planning out to manifest what God has given you to do, even prophetically, do we plan for how we're going to manage, navigate, and get around, okay, and even uh, survive and continue on past the opposition and the things that will try to thwart, destroy, and take out what God has given us to do. Outside of praying. Well, I'm just going to bind the devil. God didn't just bind the devil. Okay, the devil was sitting right there in, in Eden, okay, with Adam and Eve. He didn't just sit there and say, oh, I'm going to bind him, or we going to, okay, we just going to curse him. We going to, no, 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 no. He sat down and planned in his will. He made failure, Adam's failure, a part of his will. Okay. I'm going to plan for him. Do not obey my word and make that a part, make that a facilitator and a catalyst for my will being accomplished. How many of you guys can uh, say that there were moments that your greatest failure became the catalyst for getting God's will accomplished and bringing you into victory? That the failing point became the highest point in your situation. I know that we've had them here in Tulsa where some of our most failing moments became the catalyst for brilliant solutions, ideas, strategies, comeback plans, and all of that that turned out to be exactly what God was trying to achieve. Because we're shaped in iniquity and our minds are always at enmity with God, he has to plan for our flesh and our way to fail first in order for his will to be established. First of all, for his will to even be seen at times. We can't even see it until our flesh fails. Okay. So until Adam's way failed, okay, until mortality failed, we couldn't see the light. We couldn't even appreciate the light in life of Jesus Christ. Why he built failure into, the, into his continuum of the will being accomplished. God, how could you plan for that? Because I know where my problems are. Resolve means exactly that. What God did to stay in control and make sure that he's not just in control because he's the biggest and the strongest and all of the things that we think when we're in our infancy as Christians, but he's in control because he wrote the control panel. He made the control book. He literally wrote out how his control would be maintained in the earth. And he did it by what? which she calls presolving. Before the problem arose, he already predetermined, predestined, and appointed the judgment, the consequences, the solution to it. So before any of this that we see today, which is why God's not taken, of course, we know he's not taken by surprise, but we think he's not taken by surprise strictly because of omniscience. Well, he knows everything beforehand. That's why he's not taken by surprise. Absolutely not. He's not taken by surprise not only because he knows everything beforehand, but what he did with that beforehand knowledge was put in pre-solution to every circumstance, problem, anomaly, variation, mutation, transformation, metamorphosis, any of those things that can show up, any variant that can show up, he, pre- he put in a solution for so there is a response already built in creation for what it is that might show up to oppose him or that's going to show up to cooperate with him. He's got a coding for both. So he didn't just know things beforehand because
we know things beforehand, and yet we still won't do anything about it. How many times have you said, oh, I knew that was going to happen? But if you have the mind of Christ, and you were letting this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, then you would try to be a presolutionist, which means that you would solve the problem in advance. And that's what will keep you in control. Not only knowing what your enemy is going to do, but having a solution and having a plan and making a provision and having courses of action that will automatically go into play when the problem arises. And if you do it well enough and anticipate well enough, you'll also start you'll also start doing what? Controlling and even uh, for lack of a better term, manipulating your enemy's actions and responses. Uh-huh. So you can come up with counter plans and counter plays because you know not only what your enemy's going to do, but you have a solution. God didn't just stop at, ooh, the devil, uh-uh. We have a whole plan in place. He didn't stop at, ooh, you know what? Adam could actually fail in the garden. He could actually miss the promise. What do we do? We actually take, you know, Satan at his word. They were not trying to think in that moment because they knew the, the potential frailty of man and frailty of the soul and frailty of the spirits they just encountered in heaven because they knew that. They set in place a resolution. So here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to pre-solve Adam's problem before he even gets on the playbook, before he shows up in the garden. I'm already going to calculate in my will and in the plan of my will. His failure, his loss, and our recovery his failure, his loss, and our recovery. And we're going to set things in motion. In fact, we're not going to just set those things in motion. We're going to anticipate them by putting the option there so that what we resolve will be triggered. And all of our corresponding sequences will be set in motion automatically by that one decision. Does that make sense? So God not only sat down and prepared for us to exist, but he prepared for us to win and he prepared for us to lose. And he set in what? Destination, predetermination for judgment, predestination for where people would go or how those sentences for those judgments would play out and appointed for ordainment, as she said, for appointed times and seasons when they would appear. There are some things that are, even though you may have committed certain things, okay, we've all done it. Israel, I'll use Israel. I ain't going to use it. If I use Israel, because, you know, you talk about yourself, it can be a little disruptive. So we'll talk about Israel, Okay. God show you an example of resolution and pre-solving and the continuum in action. What? Our famous, outside of the Garden of Eden, our famous what? Deuteronomy 28. Now, before Israel got into the promised land and was going to officially become a nation, the book of Deuteronomy is laying out all of God's resolutions. All of the things that he pre-solved so that he would always be in control of every action and every decision Israel made, regardless of which way they went. 
God will take in control of every action because he, he made a provision of reward or blessing for your cooperation in obedience, and then he made a resolution or pre-solved the problem of your disobedience. So no matter what action you take, no matter what decision you make, he stays completely in control because he has a sequence and a set of circumstances and events that go into motion for both. So before they can even get into their promise, God gave them their orders. If you obey my voice, heed my commands. He didn't say if you do everything right and if you were perfect and never made a mistake. He said if you heed my voice, you heed my voice, obey my commands, these blessings will come upon you. Okay. If you disobey my voice, you don't want to do this. You have your own ideas. You decide to serve another deity, whatever the case may be. These curses will come upon you. So his sovereignty and his government is based on his ability to solve the problem before it appears so that the solution already exists. Not in the moment that you're struggling. And what's so beautiful about that is that it not only pertains to, because, you know, when we think about God's sovereignty, Lord Jesus, we just jump right to judgments and sentencing. But think about the fact that God already did a solution, has a solution in place for every trial and tribulation and all of the warfare you're facing in your life, too. God has pre-solutions. That means that in the midst of the storm, when you're crying out and you're praying out and you're fighting devil and you can't find God, you don't know where anything is, you, can't, you don't know which way is up, he already has a solution in place. It's already been determined. God didn't just send you through a test and a trial without there being a solution and an answer. As he said, even for the righteous, that way of escape. So he didn't just send you into that moment unprepared for what you were going to experience, unprepared for what was going to attack you, unprepared for the persecution that was going to come against you for righteousness sake, for even trying to believe in God, for even going after this thing called salvation. He's prepared for it and made sure that salvation and a solution was always in the midst of you. And that's what we, that's the job of even the prophets in the continuum is to reveal the God's pre-solution and pre-solve in the planet. We're not here to just give you our opinion. We're not here to just assess your situation and give you an answer from my own heart and from my own feelings of compassion towards you. We're, our job is to see to it that the solutions that were already set in motion, that were already put in place concerning your life, are not only revealed, but imposed and manifested on that situation. God keeps the enemy in check because he already has pre-solutions. We already have these tenets in place for what can and cannot be happening. Now, let's think about it from the natural with our own constitution. Our own constitution. Before America came into existence, we already put in place what would be our, our solutions and our answers to our problems. We did not wait for people to come and start having problems in America. We said, no, no, before we get started, we're going to anticipate what our issues are. Why? So that not only we can stay in control, but that the reason for our existence can be preserved. Okay. But the reason for your existence is preserved. See, that's why God had to set the solutions in place. That's why he had to do the pre-solve. Because he wanted to make sure that 
what he set in motion would be preserved, that the eternal life that he's promising you and that he guaranteed you through the Holy Spirit with a seal and a, and a, and a guarantee and all of those things, the seal of his promise, he had to make sure that he put everything in place to preserve that so that that would be there when you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. So he had to set those things in place. So let's just read one more section here. It's talking about, amen, it's talking about together they demonstrate these things. So living outside of earth's time and formulating creation's outworking in his world and not this one. God worked out what he wanted outside of this world so that he can maintain the order and control and outcome he wanted. God setting all of this emotion ahead of time ensures that the earth will produce the outcomes that he wanted. He, and she says here, the Lord encoded his revelations of the future, his eternal solutions to his temporal obstacles and concerns before they arose. So God cannot sit here and allow you to get away with murder because the judgment and the solution on your situation was determined in eternity. What's enacting on you now because of the things that we fall into, the sins, the death, and all of that, what's being enacted now, enacted, not in, uh, initiated, enacted, are things that were set in motion from the beginning. Eternal solution. So this is eternity solution to people who engage in this behavior. So God's not making up this, the, these things each generation. And that's when we get stuck in this modern-day culture, which is why we think we can just wipe out these uh, uh, consequences and judgments and all of these things, because we think that they're happening in the moment they become a problem for us. No, the moment that they were revealed as a problem for us, God already had an eternal solution in mind. Jesus Christ was already slated to come way before the foundation of the world. Why can he say that the, that the lamb could be slain at the foundation? Why? Pre-solution. He already anticipated sin's uh, consequence and all of its effects on us and all of those things. He already anticipated that. And in his anticipation of that, what did he do? He said, but the lamb is already going to be slain. We already have a solution to this. Sit Melchizedek in Hebrews. Sit Melchizedek way before we even got to the place of an Abraham. Leaving Babylon, we got to a place of a Moses, setting up the law, before we even got to a city of David, before we got to a Jerusalem. Resolution. I've already staged this to work out according to my design. And his resolution, okay, which, were, which literally means preliminary or prior solution or pre-solve, which deal with solving a problem before it appears, they literally are encoded in creation. Now, how can we understand this as modern-day believers that other believers may have not under, could, could understand to this degree? Technology. Your phone is already coded with certain settings, with certain uh, uh, protocols for how it's going to operate. What it's going to do when you press certain buttons, it's already responding. What it's going to do, okay, if your phone goes into a problem, it, there already are pre-solutions and protocols built in it to react. 
to either get your phone back on track or to shut down or to destruct. Same thing with your computer. These things are already pre-coded so that you, the user, aren't necessarily in control of that. You're just pressing the button that you need to to get the corresponding responses. But you're not in charge of the initiation. You're not in charge of how it's running and coming forth. You literally are responding or reacting, or in this case, you are the resolution, which is what you do after a problem appears. A resolve, which is dealing with after. And by the time we get to after, what we're resolving with God is what he already set in motion. I mean, don't we deal with the computers? Lord knows we get frustrated. Okay, you're trying to get it to do something they don't want to do. You're pressing the button 50 times in a row. Afterwards, you have to what? Resolve or determine that the pre-solution is taking preeminence. Oh, did we get it? The pre-solution takes preeminence. What was pre-coded takes preeminence over what you were trying to achieve. And if you don't do it the way it was designed, that computer's not giving you a result. You're going to keep getting a red flag. You're going to keep getting a button. You're going to keep getting various things until you come in alignment with what was foreordained, predetermined, and predestined by a software engineer. Now, you recognize that software engineers can control whether or not you hit a deadline, get a project out on time, if your email is going to send, if that thing is going to bounce back to you, if your computer is going to print, if it's going to show up the way you need. You have a software engineer predetermining whether or not certain moments in your life will happen according to their coding. Oh, y'all with me today? Y'all really with me today? Okay, a software engineer, somebody you don't know, living in a country you haven't seen, and don't let somebody hack in with a virus. Somebody you don't know, you've never encountered, don't want to know, can determine if something you need to function will do it in the time and season you want it to. Oh, come on here. Oh, come on here. Presolving. God encoded it. So God doesn't have to react to every single moment that's happening in our time. He's allowing his resolution and his presolve to do that through his angels. His angels are working through his resolution, his presolve. We see it in the book of Revelation. Those angels are moving according to the script or according to the plan or according to the structure and the government and the constitution that heaven already had in motion. They already had certain judgments set out for sin. And where we get stuck today with the prophets who are on, on the planet alive right now is that they think that spontaneity trumps eternity. Oh, okay. Spontaneity doesn't trump eternity because your words are supposed to be working with or triggering the protocols that have been encoded, things that are already embedded to function that way. Your voice activation is supposed to be releasing those things. Your job is to reveal in time to, to God's people, settle the answers for something before it really happens. Prophecy speaks and settles the answers, reveals the things, God's mind, his solutions, his presence. 
resolutions and pre-resolves and predetermination before they happen. You're operating off of not your spirit and its free-floating, you know, ability to pull in things from the universe. You're operating off of a pre-existing script, which is why prophets who don't conform to the word end up in divination. Because you have to operate off of that. Remember how we started this conversation. You are a product of God's word. So your job as his mouthpiece is to reveal the answers, the solution, the the judgment, the blessing, the provision, the resources that already exist before they're needed or when they're needed. So God is supposed to be able to allow us as agents before certain things arise in your life or arise in your life, tell you what his mind is, what his solution, what his answer, and all of those things are provided you have a cooperate, cooperative hearer, too. So you should be able to reveal those. So your job is to be able to tap into what his existing answers are. Prophets should not be starting with devils and warfare and people's issues. They should be starting with God because God is the one who predetermined their life. 139 Psalms wrote every day down before as if there were none of them. While you were yet being formed in your mother's womb, okay, just a little embryonic substance, being wrought in the uttermost parts of the earth, this man wrote a day for you. Because in that embryo, he already had the soul, and he already had the spirit, and already wrote down those things. Oh, come on in the place. Pre-existing things. So your job is to really be helping him ahead of time mold and shape what he wants to release in that time in someone's life. And that's the whole essence of the continuum, which is why prophets work as that timing chain and generator and, and, and manufacturing system for getting those things to move in and out of the planet, for getting those codes to work, which is why if you don't know the word, you won't know what's been encoded. Okay. And how creation is encoding to respond. See, it's already encoded to respond according to God's resolutions, answers, his solutions to the temporary obstacles and problems we gonna, he knows that we're going to now have in the flesh because of this thing called the law of sin and death. He did not institute that law without having pre-solutions for how it would be enacted and upheld. And God's pre-solutions are not just being upheld by our agreement. They're being upheld by their own encoding and their own function within the planet, whether that be within our very DNA, through sickness and disease, come on here, aging and all those things, praise God, that mortality brings, or whether that is dealing with creation itself, if that makes sense to you all tonight. Hallelujah. I want to jump I want to jump now if we can to I'll just go ahead and jump in the interest of time to one oh eight. All right, you guys still hanging tough. I know we go through the book and we reading stuff tonight and we talk about work. Study those terms, pre-solve, pre-resolution, uh, and uh resolve. 
okay, in resolution. We operate in resolutions because our job is to, we are the ones reacting and responding to God's initiatives and codings in the earth. So, for example, we talk about this technology in the computer, right? So you've got this unknown software person that you ain't never met who is literally controlling whether or not your business is going to function, your presentation is going to work, your email is going to get sent out, a bill is going to get paid, your Internet is going to come on, all right? Somebody you don't know is controlling all of those things, okay, and doing that. And so what happens is they, they are operating on a resolution. They're operating on a determination. They're operating on foreordained protocols and things they set in place in anticipation of what not only you will need, from your computer, but what can happen to it, these malfunctions or dysfunctions that can disrupt your day and be a problem. And so they've calculated all of those things in their pre-solution. But when your computer chooses not to operate right or you don't know how to operate it, guess what? You can only lean on or resort to a resolution. So for us, we move in resolutions because we have to deal with things after the problem arises. Amen? And not necessarily before. So let's turn to page 108. Let's go to page 108. So as we're turning there, what we're talking about, what I love about the word resolution is that it means to obviously have resolved, be determined, all of that, but it also means to convert or transform by any process it also means to deal with something conclusively to settle or solve. So we are living in God's resolution. What you determine and how you choose to react and enact and engage with God becomes the resolution on your situation, the resolution on your life. Free will is often our resolutions, how we are resolving God's pre-solution. So your, your ability to accept or reject Jesus Christ has to do with your resolution, what you are resolving about your existence as a human being in response to his resolution to the problems that existed. Does that make sense to you all? So let's jump into page 108. And this is where we're going with that because we're talking about prophets working with God's pre-orders. We have to realize that he is not, you know, making this up as he goes along. And just because it is new to us, it doesn't mean that it's new in creation and isn't already operating. That's like a person becoming a lawyer or a doctor, okay, in this era and really negating everything that came before and saying, you know what, I don't need, we don't need the Constitution, we don't need the law, I don't need any other stuff, I'm going to just go by how I feel like society should be treated. What, what do you think would be the outcome of that? by everybody just doing what they think and how they think society should be treated and not having any kind of precedent for what it is that they're trying to solve. See, we're going to have chaos. You know why? Because all of those things that came before are already uh, solutions that are in place to preserve and protect what we are trying to achieve. Does that make sense? So when you operate outside of that or go rogue, you run the risk of what? Dismantling what is being preserved by the solutions and by the precedents that came before you. The biblical precedents set by our uh, uh, prophets 
okay, come on, are preserving what God set in motion when he said let there be, his will and his intentions for the planet from the beginning. Oh, y'all with me. So when we deviate from that script, we end up becoming a, 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 a agent that will try to frustrate Okay, that's what false prophecy is, not even about things not coming to pass, because we'll deal with that at a different time, but it's about those frustrating, okay, what's being preserved and what's being set in motion. So as a prophet, you can be constructing or destructing something, depending on where you are and your understanding of God's word and your accountability to it. So Dr. Price challenges us on page 108, and we'll stop here, and then we'll pick up next Wednesday with some more information on this subject. Okay, on page 108, it says, all of the above scriptures teaches that the present time in everyone's present life, uh, the Lord actively works to manifest his promise to fulfill what he spoke by mouth, uh, by the mouth of his prophets from the foundation of the world. Thus, what the prophets embedded in the continuum, modern prophets are qualified to corroborate when they are authentic and faithful. Here is why modern prophets get lost. They attempt to use the predictive side of the prophetic faculties minus the words that founded and validated their ministry. Misunderstanding what the prophets of old meant to and did for God, they fail they fall rather into Balaam's delusions by giving prophetic credence to any spiritual voice they hear. Without the continuum to anchor their Otherwise, lofty spirits, prophets fall prey to divination because they lack the filtering mechanism of the filtering mechanism scripture provides. Contemporary prophets can be convinced the Bible is outdated and therefore irrelevant for their times because they do not know how it came to be and what makes it timeless. And what is scary about that last statement that she uh, makes there is that because we didn't realize that Christianity didn't start on earth, that it was brought to earth, that the Bible isn't uh, being regulated by earth, okay? It's being regulated by the internal, uh, eternal continuum, excuse me, <laughs> eternal continuum in heaven because it's being regulated by those things. Their personal and private experiences and encounters with the otherworldly do not necessarily trump the preeminence of Scripture, and the responsibility we have as prophets to ensure that we find a foundation for that experience in Scripture. God, every time he encountered people from the other worldly, every time God showed up and manifested to his prophets, he always identified himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he wanted to make sure that they were staying in line and would continue the precedent and continue the, the, the word and the, the plan from generation to generation that was started right there. He wanted to make sure that they would continue in the same vein. So he always uh, prefaced those encounters by identifying himself. We, of course, know in the book of John when it says, believe not every spirit and test those spirits, he talks about how you have to, how you need to clarify and validate if those spirits are what? Giving credence and credibility to Jesus Christ. Because he is what? His testimony is the spirit of prophecy. 
So those spirits will come bringing Christ's testimony. How do we know? Before he dropped the Holy Ghost in the planet, he said, I'm going to take what is of me, what is mine, and give it to the Holy Ghost to ensure that everything I told you here would be preserved, would be continued, would be maintained, would be passed on, and you can always use that to verify the spirit that is speaking to you because it will testify of me. What did he say was their problem in the, in, in, uh, when he came back in uh, the New Testament to the lost sheep of Israel? They did not know the scriptures well enough. They rejected the prophets, they rejected the scriptures, and could not tell that all of them were testifying of him. So when you're dealing with the true spirit of prophecy, rather, we're talking about what? The testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the centrality of the continuum. This entire continuum and this entire book is teaching us how we can verify and validate the entire testimony of Jesus Christ before flesh in the flesh, and after the flesh is over. And so prophets who want to stay in God's continuum must understand that entire testimony. And their testimony should not just be about the last spiritual encounter they had with several angelic forces and beings. Something out of that encounter should bear witness to the testimony of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ's plan, his mission, mandate, assignment is in this earth what his kingdom is here to accomplish. That's how you can begin to validate and literally filter through a lot of, okay, the, the spiritual forces and encounters and dreams and visions that you have. Because the enemy loves to get us off on the testimony of all these other things. We get off on the testimony of what happened with this angel, with this thing said, and, and we can never fit it together in the whole sequence of what Jesus Christ is here to achieve. Modern day, old, I should say Old Testament prophet's job was to literally use their words to usher Christ into the planet. New Testament prophets are to literally bring in the restitution of all things and help them to complete the assignment of reconciling heaven to earth. So when you're having these interloping, infiltrating spirits that come up and try to get you to buy into the customs and practices and rituals of culture, and all of those things, it's the testimony of Jesus Christ that will help you settle that. His entire testimony, not just the Jesus' love testimony, but everything he came to the earth to accomplish. Does that make sense tonight? Because that's important. The prophets are his timing chain, and they're how he keeps this word moving from generation to generation. And keep the words of the former prophets, keep the words of Jesus Christ and those apostles coming to life and happening and moving throughout the planet until the entire uh, mission and the entire assignment of not only the restitution, reconciling heaven and earth, getting us in there, getting his kingdom here, but all of those pieces of us even be returning back to the Father are settled. And until all of the matters that Jesus Christ came in the flesh to resolve are settled, then our job as prophets is to continue to speak and decree and declare those words. Not just about the things in the now. And not just about any spiritual uh, uh, moment that we have. We, we, we've gotten to the place now in the prophetic where we understand that everything spiritual is not godly. Did not come from his realm. 
Even if you just got off the floor, Rocco showing in intense tongues and prayer and intercession, that does not matter. You still have to make sure that what you're, get, what you're getting and receiving promotes and, and, and propels, okay, and is grounded by the testimony of Jesus Christ from before time began all the way through. His entire testimony. Amen? So we, we talked about that tonight. I wanted to, to get into those aspects and deal with that because we're about to get into something really fun in Chapter 7 uh, that Dr. Price brought to life for us, and that's dealing with the timing, heaven's timing chain, simultaneity versus uh, synchronicity, and talking about how those interrelationships between his world and our world work and how the, the heavens line up when it's ready to manifest something and make something happen. So we're going to deal with that. If you enjoyed this tonight, amen, I want you to let me know. Uh, join me on my Wednesday Warrior group page. Let me know your thoughts about tonight. I know we went into some other places dealing with this, but let me know your thoughts about tonight. I love to have the interaction and engagement. So check out the Wednesday Warrior group page and uh, give me some feedback on that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so I'd love to hear your voices. Uh, on this and kind of let me know how this helps you in moving forward. You can also check me out on Twitter as well, okay, because I am keeping uh, some Warrior Chronicles up there to keep us uh, engaged and to keep us empowered every day in this process of manifesting ourselves as the true sons and daughters of God. So I want you to let me know uh, about that, okay? And so definitely, before we get into some prayer. On Facebook, I have a Facebook a page and a Facebook group called Wednesday Warriors, so you can go ahead and look that up and be a part of that. We had a great discussion about a post that came out concerning uh, progressive Christianity and what the mindset of our progressive Christians really is right now and where the mind of the culture-crafted Christian uh, uh, is on a lot of uh, social and political issues. In fact, uh, you, we talked about how they believe, of course, in this uh, polytheistic uh, uh, whole coexist movement of us going into some sort of place where we're going to have a shared heaven. Well, of course, I addressed that in the post uh, that was sent out today as a little bit of a flashback in preparation for tonight, but why something like that is utterly ridiculous. God already kicked his problems out of heaven. If he wanted a shared heaven, he would have left Lucifer where he is, and they would have just shared and sat down and, and had democratic conversation about his ideas versus God's plan and God's will. That is not what he did. So if he wanted to share the heaven with other things and other spirits and contrary voices and all of that, he would have let them stay right there. But he didn't let them stay there. He got rid of them. So we definitely want you Okay, to join us for those discussions on the Wednesday Warrior group page on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter. And if you were blessed by tonight, then I'm asking that you would go ahead and sow a seed at www.tallerprice.com. Okay, that's www.tallerprice.com. I want you to go ahead and sow that seed. Amen. And I always am a proponent of encouraging people to sow into what's changing you and what's transforming you. It's easy to, you know, to give seeds to just what is popular, but I'm encouraging you to sow into what is changing your life. Because God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. So if you are sowing for change, then you shall reap transformation. We continue to decree and declare that over your life. Amen. 
So that's what we're going to do for tonight, encourage you to sow. And then, of course, we're going to send you out with the prayer and bless your walk and bless your life with God. Amen? How about that? Just a little bit of something, something. Amen, amen. Very, very excited about the warrior nation and God raising up Christians who want to take a stand in this season to go back to the organic roots and the organic ways of the Christian faith who are ready to eat this thing straight out of the ground, who know that man can't live by bread alone but must live by the word and that manna from heaven. What came down from heaven is what we're living by. We're not living by the cultural dictates. We're not living by these cultural trends and rituals and all of those things. We're living literally by what came down from heaven. He said, I came down from heaven. This bread of life came down from heaven that we may eat of it and not die. So we are not living by the, the, the uh, consequences and the mortality of this world. You cannot continue to live off of your mortality and think you're going to have victory in Jesus Christ. We have to live off of what came down from heaven and not people's opinions about it from the planet. We have to stop living this thing from the earth up, from earth's issues with God, from earth's challenges with God, from earth's mortality with God, and on and on. Their righteousness won't do it. Even their railings won't fix it. We have to live off of what came down to us, and Christianity came down to us. It didn't come out of us. It came down to us, and we must live off of that. Amen? Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for my warrior nation. I thank you, God, for their growth and their development. They're buying consistently into this organic Christianity and all of the things that you're doing with it. And so, God, I thank you right now for continuing to propel them forward. I thank you, God, for bringing them into the the full essence of everything, Father God, that you have promised and that you are. We don't want to live, Father God, off of the leaven yeast. God, I thank you that you're taking the appetites and the desires for the additives and the preservatives and all of those things out of our soul. I thank you, God, that they're coming out of the midst of us, God, and that you're making room for your own spirit. You're making room, Father God, for your own glory. You're making room, Father God, for your own holiness and righteousness, Father, to rise up in them like never before. You're making room where your ark can dwell, where you can have a sanctuary, where they, Father God, can come to the rivers of living water and, Father God, drink and and have that quenched and, Father God, come to your table and be fed. I thank you, Lord, that you're making room in their souls for this uh, and that all of the things, uh, all of the rivalries are literally being cleansed out. Uh, we know that this is the year of the clean out. So God, I thank you that you're cleansing out all of those things, uh, all of the lust of the flesh, uh, all of the lust of the eyes, uh, all of the pride of life, uh, all of those things, Father God, that come to really usurp and really provide the alternative to what you have given and what you have spoken and what you have promised concerning us. Uh, God, I come against everything that's trying to pervert the promise so they don't enter into their reward. They don't get the results, Father God, of what you have encoded and what you have sent, Father, down here. I thank you, God, that you're raising up their standard. You're continuing to raise up their inner fight. You're sounding that alarm on the inside of them. I thank you, God, for restoring their alarm system and their defense systems, even in their soul and spirit, to not feel overly, so overly concerned about not judging or doing something wrong or not walking in enough love that they're not protecting and preserving their eternal inheritance. I thank you, God, that you're dealing with that tonight and that you're going into the recesses of their souls and spirits and realigning and resetting them things mm, eh, yes, on the word, on the foundation of 
I see God this week going in and resetting a lot of your souls in spirit and getting them back on the access and getting them back on that foundation of scripture, that plumb line, that pillar and ground of truth that will begin to change their ears so that they can begin to hear the difference between the delusion and the deception and all of the, the, the flattery of the enemy and mm, yes, and can hear your voice with pure truth, that God that you are going in and cleansing out the eyes that they can see, Father God, with crystal clarity, the difference, Father, between the profane and the holy. I thank you, God, that you're giving them an eyesight for you again, that they're able to pierce through those things and call those things what they are. Not so, Father God, uh, overwhelmed by the culture, the pantheonic culture and the pantheonic polytheistic move, Father God, of love that is designed at your bokusa to cloud judgment and manipulate and seduce their emotions into accepting the same deities and the same bondages, God, that they mm, that you gave your life to destroy. I thank you, Lord, that you're opening them up in this season, that they can engage with you on that level again. Uh, yes, God, that they're able to rise up above even the supernatural realms and above, rise up, Father God, above all of the clouds and confusion of darkness and engage again with the glory and the pure spirit of Jesus Christ, the holistic sound. I thank you, God, that you're dealing at your bocosa with the things in their hearts, God, that are trying to be at enmity with this, that you're coming against it, God, and bringing peace again and bringing reconciliation again between them and their God. I thank you, Lord, that that's coming together and that you're moving them into that posture even today. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing that for fire to equip, for Mrs. Niece, for cash teach, for wings of grace. God, I thank you for Carol Rangel today that you're moving some things in her life. I thank you, Lord God, that she's got some um, some financial situations, but some some uh, decisions to make, not even just in the tradition of uh, needing money, but there's some things surrounding the God, her, her business and her affairs of life that need to be organized and worked out. I thank you, God, for giving her a plan and a strategy, but most of all, helping her find the right counsel, the right people to help her sort through these things so that she's not taking advantage of and so that she can make the right decision on all the facts and all the information that's available to her on this matter. So I thank you, God, for stepping in and doing that in Jesus' name. God, we do this. We, we pronounce this on uh, Lynn Hicks, God, on Tams 99, on Man Talk, on Green Bean Baby, on Pastor Shay Mason, God, et Kusa. And God, on Mrs. Rika, on, G, on Gina, I think that is Jay, and then on Dodd's Ministries, on Lovey God, and even Angela. I thank you, Lord God, that we pronounce this prayer on them. These warriors, Father God, and those that even uh, are watching tonight whose names are not on this list, I'm asking that, God, that you would go to bat this week, that you would contend, Father God, for their faith, contend, Father God, for their hope, and contend, Father God, for their desires, their affections, and their passions. I'm asking that you, Father God, emerge as the winner of their meditations and the winner, Father God, of their desires this week, uh, that they're able to rise back up into that place with you, even in their prayer times. I see a lot of you having some very explosive prayer times with God and understanding his word and getting into those uh, uh, deeper areas with him. A lot of you have some questions and some hefty things on the altar. And so, God, I'm asking that you would bring the answer, that as they get into that posture with you, that you would open up that channel and open up those communications, God, that they can hear from you, that you would let them know what your pre-solutions were for their present situation. This didn't catch you by surprise. 
You already calculated it. Now, God, give them the ears to hear what your, mm, what your answers are, what your resolutions are concerning them. Let this be a week of resolved issues, resolved issues, and resolved matters. When it comes to employment, making decisions, uh, yes, even when it comes to simple things about buying homes, cars, a lot of that. God, timing even. I see a lot of them need to get the timing on what it is that you want to do in their lives this week. So, God, I thank you for that today, and I'm asking that you would move on them and that you would do the same thing for the Facebook family. God, for uh, Shakia Unique, for Delisa Reed. God, I thank you for continuing to uh, restore and, and, and heal. Delisa, I just see God working on a healing for you, whether it's something you need now or something to come, but I issue it forward in your life, a complete healing in, in, in your physical man uh, on some issues. We'll call them some physical issues that are mounting up. So, God, I thank you for taking control over that infirmity in Jesus' name. God, the same thing for James Wright, for Rhonda Riles, for Melicia Brown, for Barbara Davis, God, for Stephen Holt, uh, for Janine Ross, for Michael Tate. God, I thank you for what you're doing to shift Michael's life into complete divine destiny. Let 2017 be that year where all of the pieces that he's been, he's been trying to pull together, he's been working to make happen, come under and into that whole stream of divine destiny, that you would open up for him the pathways of success that you have for his life because there is a way that you've ordained him to prosper. And so, God, I thank you for opening up those pathways even now as we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for the same thing with Tricia Hankerson, with Chrissy Hood, with Dennis Hood. We continue to lift up their family and the, and the time of trial that they're in. God, there are many plans and thoughts on the matter. I say today, let the counsel of the Lord on their issues stand. Let the counsel of the Lord stand concerning them. God, for Bishop Gail Peterson, for Yolanda Sith. Yolanda, you've got a, a major uh, breakthrough coming into your sphere of life. It's, a, it's like a, a connection or something that you've been pressing or waiting for. If it's not already in motion, it's en route. This is going to be a good shift for you, and it's going to be a positive thing for propulsion and advancement and something you've been asking God to do. You've been needing this. You've been praying for it. I don't see that it's just you. I also see that your intercessors have been really coming uh, into agreement with you on this around the clock. Y'all been bombarding heaven about something. God says a breakthrough is in root. This is kind of like one of those Daniel moments. You need to know that your breakthrough is in root. It's in the way. Mm, it's on the way. Ah, yes, and God's removing out mm, everything that has been in the way and that has been delaying this thing from showing up in your sphere of life the way it needs to. But this breakthrough is going to happen. It's going to happen. God says rejoice. In these next few weeks or so, go ahead and get into a posture of rejoicing and praising him in advance because he wants to let you know that he's heard that prayer of intercession, and that thing is coming through for you in Jesus' name. Cassandra Hines, we release this on her, on uh, Eliah, Anna Hill, on T uh, Tara Belaine, and on Amethyst. Amethyst, come on here. God says go ahead and make the shift, and that if you can trust me and prove me now in this, I'll begin to open up the windows of heaven over your life, and you'll be able to get a stream back that you haven't had since you were 19. He says, I'll open that thing up for you if you make the shift and you make the move in this thing in, mm, in this season, in Jesus' name. And, God, we release it on Kim Mack. Kim, keep pressing, keep plowing, because this is just the beginning where the end of one chapter brings you into the new beginning of another, and you need to see this as a new beginning. 
not just an ending of an era. So God says look forward to the days ahead. Stay hopeful and hope-filled in 2017. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for joining me tonight. I appreciate having you on board. And I see you next week for another edition of Wednesday Warriors. God bless you.